Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open up to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, and so we're doing this study on spiritual warfare, and uh, Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we'd have, we do have Bibles in the back, and uh, we typically like to go through books of the Bible, and we're sort of in between books. We just finished Genesis, and before that we did Hebrews. Before that, I don't forget James or something else, but we're doing Ephesians 6, we're doing a series on spiritual warfare before we do our next book. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 10 through 20. I'm going to, hi- I'm going to really emphasize one verse, though. We're not going to get very far today. Paul says, finally... My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all having taken up the shield of faith with which you will to ex- you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, also receive the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times with all prayer, and petition in the Spirit, and to this end, being on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, as well as on my behalf, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make me known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, so that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now go back up. To verse 11. I'm going, to, I'm going to read verse 10 and 11, and we're going to camp out in verse 11. Okay? We're going to camp out there. Hey, it took them 40 years to go journey in the wilderness, okay? <laughs> and it was, a, it was really just a couple-day trip that from, from Egypt to the Promised Land, but for, hey, we're not in any rush, are we? No, I'm not. There's too much here. Finally, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We are in a spiritual battle, aren't we? If you're a Christian, if you're, if you're a non-Christian, you don't realize what the battle you're in. But if you're a Christian, you are in a spiritual battle, and there's not one day when you're not in the spiritual battle. Now, some days are better than others, right? Some days you wake up and it's rank. And some days you didn't even plan it, and bam, this, the attack happens, doesn't it? He's like, what is going on here? What did I do wrong? Why did I deserve this? You know, what is, because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there is already an, a target on you because the devil wants to destroy you. He absolutely hates you. You don't think, I, it's like, I, don't, I couldn't think of anybody hating me so much. I'm a, I'm a good guy, I think. You know, I'm, 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 my wife thinks I'm a good guy, you know, but, but Satan hates every single one of us with an absolute hatred. Okay, as, as intense, I mean, okay, God's inf- love is actually more infinitely greater than, the, but Satan's hatred is so, it, but when he attacks, we cannot defend ourselves, can you, on our own strength. We said the first week, the first principle of spiritual warfare is, well, first of all, I said Jesus Christ is the victor, Right? That's the first thing. Jesus Christ is the victor. You say, what's that mean? That means because he died on the cross, he, just, he paid for our sins, he took away every accusation against us, everything that we did wrong was nailed to the cross, and when he rose again, that declared 
in heaven and earth that Jesus Christ has defeated death, hell, the grave, the devil, all of that has been defeated. And if you're in Christ, you stand victorious. We say, well, I don't feel like victorious. Well, it doesn't matter what you feel. I'm just telling you the truth here. <laughs> because you, if you walk in defeat trying to get victory, you'll never get the victory. If you walk in victory, understand that Christ is victorious, that means that the armor of God he gives you is more than sufficient to do the job, isn't it? Right? So we said, first of all, the victory is in Christ. That's the first one. Secondly, strength begins in weakness. We said that last week. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So we're so used to be strong in ourselves. We're We're so programmed. We're so, like our default setting is looking to ourselves and we had to learn, no, if you want to be strong in the Lord, you've got to be weak in yourselves because you won't be strong in the Lord if you're strong in yourself. You'll say, God, I got this. I don't need your help. <laughs> Good luck, right? <laughs> Wrong answer, you know. So that was the first two. Now this week, I'm just going to give you just a general, it's pretty obvious, but God's armor is more than enough to defend against any attack of the enemy. Right? We're going to see that. And, and we're just, you know, we're not going to get through all the armor because we're just going to cover one verse, right? But this is important. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm. You see the phrase, that word stand firm? You see that verse, you see that verse 11? You know, it's repeated like four times. Look at, it's like well, three or four times. Look at verse 13, right? It's, there's stand firm at the end of the verse, and then there's also the word resist, which is kind of the same idea. And then in verse 14, stand firm. Now, verses 10 to 13 are sort of general principles, and then the specifics are from 14 to, to 18, right? So we're just still in the general idea and the whole idea is standing firm, right? The whole, this, this emphasis, the goal of spiritual warfare is standing firm. What does that mean, stand firm? Well, it means to stand with resistance, right? It means to, to, um, to endure, right? Now here, I want to give you a clue as to what it means. Go to Ephesians uh, 4. Go, to, go to, to your left, Ephesians 4. And look at verse 13, just a kind of clue. And um, in, in Ephesians 4, he talks about you know, walking in unity and, and, and of the Spirit and talks about how Christ set, uh, gave gifts to men. Verse 11 talks about he gave to the church, he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers. I think they're the same person, pastor and teacher. And here's what the pastor and teacher does, verse 12. They equip the saints for the work of the service. That's my job, is to feed and equip, right? right? Verse 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith. First of all, let me just pause right there. Satan hates a unified church. And he hates a unified family. He hates a unified... That's, that's, he hates that, because we're, we're on the same page. So my prayer of, this, of us as a body is that we would be unified in love and in grace, Right? And, 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 and understand against, and, and we don't battle against one another, flesh and blood. We'll see that next week. Okay, so that's the first thing. So the goal there is, is equipping for the unity of faith. Verse 13, again, to a, and a, a, the full knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. So the pastor teacher teaches to bring unity and maturity. You see that? So that, verse 14, reason. Here's, now this is where I'm getting to. So that we are no longer children, or longer, no longer to be children, tossed here and there by, every, by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and craftiness of deceit and deceitful scheming. You see that? So that's the goal. What is standing firm? Standing firm means that we stand with the understanding of who God really is. That means we stand in the understanding of what Jesus is like. We stand firm in maturity, right? So this is where doctrine is always part of it, right? And see, when a church goes bad, when a person veers off, or when the Satan attacks, he will take you off the doctrine first. We'll get to that in a second, right? 
But standing firm has to do with growing and becoming a believer that is secure and knowledgeable in their faith, right? If you're going to stand firm, you're going to stand firm on the understanding and the foundation of what the Bible actually says and teaches. If you vacillate, you're easy pickings, right? Now, if you, understand, if you remember how Satan... Att- now, we'll get to the schemes in a second. When Satan attacked Jesus, okay? Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. I went a week one time. I can't imagine going 40 days. It says, and then he became hungry. Okay, that's an understatement. Okay, now you're at 40 days of fasting, you're at danger level. You've gonna, you're, you got to eat or else you'll go a point of no return. And then the devil came, devil came and, and tempted him, right? And you know, in Luke 4, he tempts him, you know, if you're the son of God, you know, turn the stone into, into bread, right? And Jesus says, it is written, you know, man does not live by bread alone. Okay, so that's the example of standing firm in the truth. You see that? And then, of course, then the devil raised up the level again, and he says, well, throw yourself off this, this, the peak of the temple, because then, then the devil quotes scripture. And the devil says, for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you. Now, here's the thing. The devil knows scripture better than most Christians. So it's not only standing from that I, I knew my Bible, I also know the principles of how it interprets, you know, and Jesus says, Hey, that verse of angels catching me does not apply to jumping off bridges and pe- temple mounts and things like that, right? Don't put the Lord God, your God to the test. So back up now. We're not, we're not Jesus, but the point is this. The devil will still try to attack you. So standing firm has to do with standing firm in the maturity of our faith, being rooted in the, in the word of God, and not easily susceptible to the winds and waves of doctrine. Things, and this is, I'm sorry, the church in America falls for things all the time. You go to the bookstore. Hey, there's this house, no offense to housewives. She's writing this book. And she has no theological training. She probably doesn't even read her Bible, but she read a verse and took it out of context. And all of a sudden she has a huge following because everyone relates to her. And she's, and she's unknowingly sneaking in doctrines of demons. He's like, well, pastor, you got to read this book. And anyway, I'm, I'm going to step on toes. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> hey, listen, listen, there's, listen, my recommendation for books, read books that people are dead. <laughs> <laughs> People that have been around a long time or people that you know are sharp in the Word of God. Just because everyone buys it doesn't mean it's good. Okay? Oh, but it makes me feel so good. It makes me feel close to Jesus. Oh, there's Carolyn. Go grab Carolyn. Sorry. Moses, go grab her. She's uh, Sister Carolyn's here. Okay. I'm going to hold back. (laughs) But this is what happens. This is why it's so. This is why if 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 you're not in the Word of God and ground in the Word of God, you're susceptible to anything. It's easy. It's easy. And if it's popular, it means nothing. Okay. Hey, before you go read, reading Jesus calling, Jesus is calling right here in this book. Okay. I'm sorry. Don't be reading that garbage. He's like, well, you just, you just hurt my feelings. Good. You master, you get mastered by this book. On your knees, in prayer, in dedication to the Lord. Yes, read some old saints of the old who, who had consecrated lives. But some of the new stuff, oh, that's, that's I turn on most TV stations and, uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Okay, I will hold back. <laughs> So what does it mean to stand firm? It means to stand firm in maturity in the truth of God's word and not being susceptible. And that's the start of it. And that's the goal is to stand firm. Why? And so now the devil wants to get you off from that. And so he will, he'll teach you this. He'll show you that. And we'll get to that in a second. Okay. So go back to Ephesians six. Oh boy. 
See, never, sermons never go according to my plan. You know, Pastor Dan, <laughs> words just come out of the mouth, right? So how am I able to, how am I going to stand? Here's, you're going to be able to stand by putting on the full armor of God. Now, what does that mean, the full armor? Of, what does that mean? I mean? We're talking spiritual realities here, right? So does that mean that it's armor that God wears or armor... Does he wear armor, or does it armor that he gives? Well, we'll talk about it in a second, but it's armor that is sufficient for the, the attacks. Put on the full armor of God. Um, you know, we know that Paul, he, we, was, he might have been inspired by a Roman soldier, because like when he's in Rome, uh, and the book of Acts in 20, uh, chapter 28 talks about he's in Rome, and there's a Roman soldier with him, right? So he's in Rome, and he's there for quite a while. He's got a soldier tied to him, you know, day and night. So maybe he's looking at the soldier and saying, hey, you know, perhaps. But Roman soldiers had extra things that he doesn't mention here. Like they had javelins, and then they have like shin guards, the, the, the greaves or whatever it's called, you know? They had extra stuff, you know? So maybe. But I think Paul is inspired by what is called a divine warrior in the Old Testament. We're going to do a little bit... A little bit of sermon, a little bit of Bible say, okay? Okay? Get there. Okay. So, so just a couple of verses just to kind of get you. So perhaps Paul is thinking about some verses in Isaiah. Um, if you go to, okay, go with me to Isaiah 11. Let's go there. Let the, let's go and remember the yellow pages? Let the fingers do the walking, right? All right. All the young people said, what's yellow pages? Oh, man. <laughs> it was our internet. It was our Google search back in the day. Yellow pages were our Google, our Google search. Isaiah, Isaiah 11, just a couple verses in Isaiah. So I'm thinking of Paul thinking about this. Isaiah 11 and verse uh, 4. Uh, am I looking at verse 4? Yeah, 4. But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with uprightness for the afflicted of the earth and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. That sounds like the sword of the spirit, right? And with the breath of his lips, he will put the wicked to death. Okay. And also righteousness will be a belt about his loins. So here it's righteousness. And in Paul's gospel, or Paul's writing, it's now the truth. But the idea is there's, you're, he's wearing something. And faithfulness will be about, about his waist. Um, go to uh, Isaiah 49. Go to Isaiah 49. Just a good thing these are all in Isaiah, so our fingers don't have to do a whole lot of walking. Okay, so like in um, verse 1 and 2, especially verse 2, but verse 1, Listen to me, O coastlands, and pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord, Yahweh, called me from the womb, uh, and from the body of my mother he made, me, he made my name to be remembered. He's speaking about the Messiah here. He has sent my mouth like a sharp sword. Again, that sounds like the word of God, right? In the shadow of his hand he has concealed me, and he has also set me as a select arrow, and has hidden me in his quiver. Okay, go to Isaiah 52. Just Again, these are just verses that perhaps inspired Paul as he's thinking about spiritual warfare. Isaiah 52, and verse 7. Isaiah 52, 7. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who proclaims peace. Good news, rather. I'll read it again. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who proclaims good news, who announces peace and proclaims good news of good things, who announces salvation. That sounds like what? Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, right? And we'll talk about that, what that means. Now go to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, and uh, verse, uh, verse 17. And I'm just, skipping, I'm just going to jump right into this verse. And he put on righteousness like a breastplate. Okay, that's the same thing as Paul. And a helmet of salvation on his head. So, so Paul is thinking about these verses, well-known, and he's saying, now, let's do this spiritually. Right? Go back to, uh, to Ephesians. So is this, is this God's armor that he wears? Well, it seems like in the verses in Isaiah, he's, he's sort of, these are like armor. I mean, it's not like God needs armor, right? Let's just be honest, right? 
But it's as if these things, his truth, his righteousness, his salvation, thwart the things of the enemy, right? So it could be that, or it could be just the, the armor that God gives. Either way, it's sufficient, isn't it? Amen. And with his armor, with the equipment that God supplies for the battle, it pro- allows us to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy, to stand firm in the truth, right? To stand firm as we stand in victory of Christ. If you're a Christian, you are standing firm in the victory of Jesus Christ. Or you're standing in the grace of which you stand, right? According to Ephesians, right? We are standing in certain things, right? We're standing in the Lord. We stand in freedom and everything else. And and so his armor is, is effective for every variety of attack. So look at, go back to, you guys back in Ephesians? Okay, look with me again, verse 11. See, it says you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes. You see that? Okay, in English, it just says, in Greek, rather, the way it's written, it means against somebody that is in your face. Now, that could be someone in your face that's friendly toward you or hostile toward you. In this case, it's very hostile, right? Sometimes the enemy will attack you right up front in your face, right? He'll get down, dirty, and personal with you, right? But sometimes he'll shoot, he'll shoot arrows from long distance. You're like, what in the world? What happened there, right? Sometimes it's the flaming arrows of attack, and sometimes it's the sucker punch of somebody close to you or a situation close to you. Either way, he doesn't mince words or mince attacks. But the armor of God is sufficient, whether it's from close or from far, from whether it's uh, from your, your spouse. Let's get real now, okay? Because we're not just talking ethereal things. We're talking about spiritual warfare that happens in the midst of relationships or situations that you cannot control. Things happen in your life that come, you're like, where did this come from? I mean, you guys have had that happen before. Like, where is this? Where is this? What is going on here? And all of it is to get you to abandon your post to get off the truth, to not stand in the victory of Jesus Christ, to not stand in Christ, but to stand in yourself. All of that, it's, 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 it's diabolical. And his armor is effective for every intensity of attack. So not every place, but also every intensity. Okay, so years ago, I went to Israel, not this past year, but like 10 years before that. And we, were, we went to a place called the Herodium. It's this fortress, and, and I'll never forget this day. So it's like you go uphill, and there's this, it's kind of built, it's sort of like built in the, in the it's like this round, it's, it's secure. It's just, what's that? No, it's not a coliseum. Just think of it as you're going uphill, and that day we went, it was so windy, it must have been like, it's not hurricane force winds, but it was strong. And we're, you know how you like, it's so windy, you lean against the, the hill, the upright, so that we don't get blown off. And we come up, it was, we come up and go around, and as soon as we enter the door of this road, it's a fortress, basically. Herod built a wonderful thing, and he built this fortress. As soon as we walked in the door, the door closed, nothing. The fortress took the brunt of the attack, the brunt of the wind, right? Uh, it wasn't like if you're in, in a tent, you know, on Mount Everest or somewhere, you're going to feel the winds, you're going to feel the, the cold, you're going to be, oh, you know, you're going to pray that, not, that your tent stake doesn't come off. No, when you're in Jesus Christ and he, his armor defends you, it takes the battle, the brunt of the attack, so that you don't feel as much, right? See, that's, that's the thing. See, the devil tries to get us outside so we're more susceptible. The reality is if we're in Christ and we put on the full armor of God, his armor can withstand that, right? Amen. Amen. Is everyone following so far? I think in one sense, the armor of God is God himself. Because we're shielded by his righteousness, by his truth, by his word, by his faithfulness, right? And he is, as the Old Testament talks about, that he's a warrior. He is, he's our defense. I love the psalm we sang last week. You know, I'm thinking of Marty Getz. I don't know if you know Marty Getz. He, he is my defense. I shall not be moved, as he says in that song. He is my defense. God is my defense, right? David comes on the scene, and there's Goliath. And David's like, 
I'm small and you're tall. Well, you're big, right? But my God is bigger than you. I don't come with you with my little slinging stones and thinking that's going to matter. I come to you in the name of the God of Israel, whom you have offended. And that God can tear you. You're nothing compared to that God. That's, who you, that's the kind of thing, right? God is our warrior. In fact, it talks about in Exodus 15 that the Lord is a warrior. Uh, he's as victorious warrior as Zephaniah talks about. He is our defense. So in one sense, the armor of God is God himself defending us. Does that make sense? And so we put on the armor of God the same way we put on Christ and make no provision for the flesh. We put on the new man, according to the Colossians, that when you became a Christian, you became a brand new person. You start living that way. Now, who are we fighting against? Well, the devil, right? Pretty obvious, right? I'm not going to dig too deeply into the devil today, next week. I'll give you a little bit, but next week we're going to look at who is our enemy. Obviously, the devil, he's the diabolos, the slanderer. He's the, he's the accuser. You've heard his voice before? He's the adversary. He's the one who opposes. His name is Satan or Hashatan in, in Hebrew. He's a real person, a real, a real entity. You know, some people think, oh, he's just, you know, darkness conceptualized. No, no, he's real. Jesus talks about him. He actually talks to him. <laughs> in the temptation, he talks to Satan. And then when he talks to, you know, Peter says, you're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Because you're setting your mind on man's interest, not God's. Now, he's a, he's a smart devil. I mean, he didn't think he's foolish because he disobeyed God. He was the serpent in the book of Genesis. He's the lion spirit in the book of Kings. He's the power behind the kings of Babylon. That, he's the power behind a lot of kings of this nations of this world. You realize that? Okay? He was once a chief angel. He was a cherub. He was the highest, one of the highest angels, close to God, until he looked at himself and he says, wow, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to take over God's throne. And God says, no, you're not. <laughs> right? And he tempts and he opposes God's work and he he tries to hinder the work of God. He's a liar and a murderer. Everything from his mouth is lies. Everything is lies. And his whole attention, here's his goal, is to get you hating God, is to get you distant from God, right? He wants to cause division within families and relationship. He wants to bring depression from within because you realize I'm nobody. And he wants to bring you, take you away from the Lord. That's all. He wants to destroy you. Amen. He's not nice, and he doesn't play nice. And by the way, he's an enemy that's not to be under not to be underestimated. You gotta be careful. You see these guys on TV and say, "Devil, I'm gonna give you to you." You know, Michael the Archangel didn't even say that. He says, "The Lord rebuke you, sir." Yeah. And by the way, don't get into conversations with demons. Don't interview a demon-possessed person and talk to the demon. Why? Okay, look at the scripture. The only time that Jesus talked to a demon is this. Either, what's your name? Our, na- our name's Legion, right? Or the other time he says to the demon, or besides Satan, you know, and thus says the Lord, you know, the word, the temptation, right? The only thing he says to the demons is, shut up. Be quiet. Come out of him. That's it. He doesn't go into an interview with the demon. Don't let the demon talk. He's sh- be quiet and come out of him. So just, just a note. <laughs> Don't go dabbling into that nonsense. Because every word out of that demon's mouth will be a lie. I don't want to know what the devil says. I want to know what God says. So what? You know? He's powerful, but not as powerful as God. He's called the ruler of the world, right? The power of the prince of the year. The the whole world lies in his power. He's dark and depraved. He's wicked and he's evil. And he seeks to destroy every person on planet earth. Now, here's the question we want to ask. I'm going to take my time on this. It might take me some weeks, okay? How does he attack us? What are his schemes? 
Okay, can you bear with that? Okay. I thought I can get through like, uh, like 20 some odd uh, schemes, but I'm just going to start with one. Okay, watch this. He says, it says, we're to put on the full armor of God. Look at verse 11. So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. You know, those, uh, that's a, 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 the, the schemes, that word there is the Greek word methodia, from which we get our word methods. It, dis- it means craftiness or wiles or a sense of method, a way of doing something that's deceptive, it's systematic, it's methodical, and in a sequence of things, right? Uh, Ephesians 4.14 talks about deceitful scheming, and the idea is to get one off course, right? So the schemes of the devil isn't just one attack. It's actually a whole plan of attack. You see that? It is, it's a strategy. And it's very subtle and very well laid out. So that's why we are to daily put on that armor. And that's why we are to, we are to be well aware of how he goes about things. Remember, he's not just going to tag you and say, oh, you defended me with the, with the armor of God. I'll just go home and never visit you again. Right? No, he'll come back when you're least expecting it. You're searching on the internet, and all of a sudden something pops up, and you're like, "Whoa, I wasn't expecting that." Ooh, they're turning. He'll he'll attack you when you're when you're tired, right? He'll attack you when nobody's around. He'll attack you when you're discouraged, when you're hungry, when you're in the lows. Oh, who really gets you when you're low? Oh boy. Now here's how he does it. Here's how the, here's if we're going to talk about. You know, his attacks and what he's, you know, with his attacks, he's trying to get you away from, he wants you to devote him, yourself to him, right? To get your heart hardened against God. He wants your worship. He wants to destroy your relationship with God so that you have a hardness of heart against God, so that you're bitter, you're suspicious, you're twisted about the things of God. You don't trust God. If he has you in that place that you don't trust God, he's already, his plan is already in working. And you don't even realize it. You know, when, when, when it says, the scripture says that Satan entered the heart of Judas, it didn't start with the heart. It started with Judas's mind. And the first thing he does with the scheme is he affects how you think. Right? He attacks how you think. Go with me to um, 2 Corinthians. I want to point something out. There's a word... That's similar to, to the, it's, it's translated schemes as well, but it's a different word. But look at 2 Corinthians. First of all, in chapter 2, you guys go with me? Chapter 2, um, and I'm just going to just mention this one in verse 11. I know I'm jumping into the context, um, but he says, so that, uh, chapter 2 of Corinthians Verse 11, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we, not, uh, we are not ignorant of his schemes. Now, that's a different Greek word. Go then to chapter 11, and I'll, I'll explain this in a second. Verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 3. Watch this. But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, by the way, in Genesis chapter 3, in Hebrew, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than all the beasts of the field. Or off the bat, we know this guy is, he's, he's, he's slick. He's slithery, right? Uh, he's this, you know, mafioso, slick back hair, Italian, <laughs> with a nice suit. And all the girls are attracted to him, and he can, he's always oh, so subtle. Oh, boy. And he knows how to press your buttons, right? That's the way it is. Okay, so... He says, where was I at? Oh, verse 3, verse 3. By this, uh, just as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity and purity of Christ. Your minds, that's the word I'm looking for here, okay? It's translated schemes in chapter 2 of Corinthians. It's a different word for scheme, but it means a way of thinking. It's not just what you think. It's how you think. So if the devil can get you thinking twistedly, 
you start thinking like him. Oh boy, that's scary. <laughs> that's why the scripture says we have the mind of Christ. That's why we put on the helmet of salvation. Right? So he attacks our thinking by what we think, how we think, in order to lead us astray, to perverse or to twist what is right and moral and proper. And some people today want to redefine what's right and what's wrong, doesn't it? That's happened in the church now, right? See, remember, we're supposed to be, Paul says, I'm trying to get you to purity. I'm going to present you as as a pure virgin, you're the body of Christ as the bride of Christ. I'm going to present you as a, as a pure virgin to the, to the Lord. There has to be purity. That's why in the early church, somebody lied to the Holy Spirit, they dropped dead. Because the church is supposed to be holy. Oh boy. He attacks your mind. He, he tries to, to twist you. He also tries to convince you. Go back to Ephesians. He tries to convince you that you're unforgivable. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, you know, salvation is for everyone else but you. You, you, know, you cross that line. There's no, you know, you've committed you know, the unpardonable sin. Hey, listen, if you're worried that you committed an unpardonable sin, you haven't committed the unpardonable sin. <laughs> All right? Because there's somebody who doesn't care the, the unpardonable sin has nothing to do with that. Right? He'll attack your relationship with Jesus Christ, and he'll do that by with accusations and lies and put-downs. Am I the only one who deals with the put-downs? The negativity? No. See, the, see, sometimes I read in the Word of God that God loves me. Nick, I, I, I know that God loves me, but in my mind there's thoughts that says, no, He doesn't. And so I have this battle between what the Word of God says and what I feel and think in my head. He tries to, to, to make you angry, right? That's why it says, don't, don't go to sleep, you know, in anger. And then the scripture says, don't give the devil a foothold. So you go to sleep and you're angry and you haven't resolved that. And that, now that, now that, that seeps in and it begins to take root. Now it's, unsettled. Now, it's, now it's really strong in your life. And now you walk around with bitterness and with unforgiveness and resentment. And, you, and, and there's this part of you that's, I don't, I don't want that there, but it's there. Well, that starts with that. He, he, wants, he, wants he, wants he wants to be in your closet but not pay your rent, right? And you've got you to kick him out, right? That's hard, isn't it? Well, that person hurt me. I should, I should be mad at that person. Or I should be mad at God. Why, God, why did you allow, allow this to happen? I went through such tragedy and such hurt and pain and sorrow that, he left me, and he deserted us, and I should be angry. And you write something, there is a righteous anger. But there's a point where the anger turns into bitterness, and that root is hard to get out. And you have to say, Lord, I have to, I, I, you know, it's easier said than done. Lord, I trust you, but I'm going to trust you. And what Satan wants to do is he wants to so spoil your thinking, your mind towards God that when you think of God, you're angry at Him. Oh God, where were you? Why didn't you come through with me? You know, why, all this stuff. And I understand that we all have been through, through stuff, right? I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? And if you can embitter your mind against God, against the people, all those Christians are so hypocrites. You know, all the churches, they're all so hypocrites. You've heard that before, right? That's a person who's hurt. That's a person who's, who's, been, who's, who's had some pain, Right? And the devil has taken advantage of that, and he's, and he's, he's sort of have, has taken advantage of those wounds, and he's not allowing those wounds to heal. He's kind of like, hey, let's keep this festering. Let's keep this going. Let's dig it up. Let's dig it up. Let's get up, right? Before you know it, you're alone. You're embittered. You have no friends. You don't trust anyone. You're unhappy. And that's how he does. And then you say, Lord, I'm going to then believe what the Bible says. 
right? Now, here's the thing. If he attacks you by what you think, he'll attack you by causing you to want to live by your feelings. Watch this. So the scripture says, if you're in Christ, you're in a creation, right? If you're in Christ, you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Call justification, right? Means you have, like Christ took your sins and gave you his righteousness. You're clothed with righteousness. Now you look and say, God, I don't, I don't know if that's true because I don't feel any different. So then you have to go by faith and say, by faith, Lord, I have to trust that what your word says is true. Although I feel lousy, I have to, by faith, believe that what your word says is true. That's the beginning of doing spiritual warfare. And the devil wants you to constantly look to yourself. And the key with spiritual warfare is this. Don't look at yourself because all you'll see is a mess. Always look to Christ. Right? I can tell you time and time, even, even recently, Pastor Dan, even recently, where I'm like, I'm just a nobody, and the devil's working me over, you know, and my buddy, he says, look to Christ. Oh, that's the right answer, but I want to feel, <laughs> I want to I milk it, you know? But the truth is, don't look to yourself, and the devil will always want you to look to yourself for your own happiness, for your own righteousness, and it will always fail because, again, we're just people. We're sinners, Right? The answer is always look to Christ. He's your defense. He's your righteousness, right? He'll attack those truths and he'll make you, he'll say, well, God has declared you righteous, but you don't feel really righteous, so live by your feelings. And the devil will do this, one more thing. He'll try to rob you or convince you that you don't have what God has already given you. He'll try to convince you that you don't have what actually God has given you. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's so subtle. In the Garden of Eden, God says, there's this beautiful garden. There's probably plants and trees and fruits we've never heard of before, right? Died in the flood or, you know. God says, every tree, every fruit, every, it's all yours. You can eat it all, Right? It's all yours. You know, this one right here? Yeah, it's bad news, right? Don't, 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 don't eat it. Right? So here's what the devil says. He says, you know, God, God doesn't love you because he's not giving you that one tree. Now, he gets your focus on what you don't have, right? You forget what you do have, right? That's what he does. He gets you to think, well, you have to earn God's love. Yeah. If you already have God's love, it's not to be earned. It's to be received and enjoyed. And so the devil will say, well, you know, you don't really have God's love. See, he's, already, he's trying to steal what you already have. Does that make sense? Yes. Boy, he's subtle. We might have to take a couple weeks on this, on this scheme. Is that okay? Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, this is... He's crafty. But the good news is the armor of God is able to withstand anything that throws your way. And when you feel attacked, you feel the negativity, the discouragement, or here's the thing. You just woke up, and you get the text, you get the phone calls. All you know what is breaking loose, what you do, you get your knees and you say, Lord, you're my defense. You protect me with your shield. You're my, my, my victorious leader. You're my, my shepherd, Right? And you look to him, and you don't go about your day reacting to what you're getting. You gotta be able to look beyond that and say, okay, there's something behind this. And this may not have to do with me something personally that I said or done, or anybody else. It is me that Satan is trying to attack and trying to cause division and disunity. You wake up and you and your wife start arguing. Not to say we argue, but you know, we never argue. We never argue. Yeah. Y'all start arguing. You're just in a bad mood. What's going on? Well, that's what the devil does. He'll just try to, to and he'll just set that. And you got to, the sooner you step back and say, I see what's going on. This is attack. Let's look to the Lord. Let's pray. That's the beginning of victory right there. But if you ignore that, if you say, I'm going to carry on and make this worse, 
There's still time to pray, but you better start off with prayer, right? right. Make sense? Yeah. And guess what? No. Let's not give him the victory. Amen. Amen. Let me let me uh, let me just close out in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to put on the full armor of God, and that you are our defense. You are our champion, our victor, and we understand, Lord, that all of us who are believers in Christ are susceptible to your attacks, whether it's discouragements, whether it's reminders of our past, whether it's unforgiveness, Lord. Maybe it's regret. Maybe it's something painful we went through and we're angry at you. And God, we recognize that all of that accomplishes nothing good. Lord, we know... we. Are, we We acknowledge, Lord, our need of you. No matter what the enemy tells us, Lord, we know that you love us. We know that Jesus Christ is victor. And so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to walk in faith, Lord, looking to you, not looking to ourselves, that you have given us armor that is sufficient for every attack, for every discouragement. Lord, I just pray for anyone who's been in the thick of the battle, even right now, Lord. I pray for those who are, maybe they're feeling like giving up. They're feeling hopeless because nothing has changed. They're looking at their circumstances. They're looking at their situation, and it's all the same. And Satan is trying to get them to live by sight rather than by faith. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen this person's faith, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would bear them, Lord, protect them, Lord, Encourage and strengthen them, Lord, that they need, Lord, sustenance and, 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 and help for the battle, Lord. Lord, I pray that we as a church would be able to encourage one another in whatever, whatever battle we're in, Lord, that we can come to each other's aid and pray and, and encourage and help, Lord, and point each other to Christ, Lord. Let it be, Lord, that we walk in the victory of Christ, Lord. We desperately need your help, Lord. We're just sheep, Lord, and we look to you, Lord. Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us, Lord? Would you bring freedom to those who are in bondage, Lord? Bring a forgiving heart, Lord. Maybe there's somebody that, that hurt you that you are so angry at, Lord, and, and um, this person is, is angry at somebody, and, and they just don't know how to forgive. Lord, I pray that you would provide that heart of forgiveness, that the love that they can't even find themselves would be from you. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Let it be that love is from you, Lord, not from ourselves. And Lord, I pray for whoever it may be in the battle right now, Lord, for, for you to supply what is needed. Lord, we look to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we serve a, a risen Savior, a King who has been victorious. We praise you and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't we stand up? Can I be honest with you all? I, f- I felt like I didn't get out everything I wanted to get out today. And I don't know if it's because I had so much to say. Because there's so much I want to, you know, so I, p- I praise God that y'all are, are patient and, and, you know, like, like lower expectations <laughs> and you'll never be disappointed. I just feel like there's, there's so much I wanted to share and there's so much I wanted to, because I know that we're, a lot of us are in the thick of it, you know. And I, here's the thing I love, and it, is that we're a small church, but we, we're a loving church. You know, we want to maintain that. We want to be a gracious and loving church. And and all of us, and some of us have come from different backgrounds. Some of us are from, you know, Bible church, conservative to Pentecost to, to everything between and to all kinds. Like, it doesn't matter, right? We love the Lord, don't we? You know? And one thing to add, hey, listen, we want to pray. God, lead us. You know, we're, we're getting a little full in this room, right? Praise the Lord. That's the Lord. That's all entirely of the Lord. Okay? I prepare as if I'm preaching to one person, Jesus Christ. And whether he brings, whoever he brings, that's the Lord. It's not me. I do not want, I, I want to kind of just like hide behind the curtains. Eating, but we will move forward on, on our knees in prayer. Okay? We're going to be a praying church, not a program church. Right? And it's his... Okay, now I'm going to preach you another sermon real fast. <laughs> yeah. 
Because when he told the Israelites, when you go into the land, remember, I, he says, I allowed you to be hungry. I allowed you to go without so that you learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, right? And he says, when you go and you get successful, be careful of the, te- I'm now paraphrasing, be careful of the tendency to want to, f- to say, God, thank you very much. Now we'll forget you and we'll carry on from now. No, we will say, Lord, if God has brought us this far, we need him to bring him us even further. There's no such thing as independence from God. That's what Satan's trying to get to us. Okay, the Christian life doesn't graduate at becoming independent from God. It's not like raising your kids, you want them out of the house and working. The Christian life is the more you grow, the more you realize your dependency on Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's leading. That's graduation. Independence in the garden led to all this we experience in this world, the fall of the world. There's independence from God. So our prayer is this. Let us be on our knees. Let us be faithful and let us not look to the right or left, left or right, that's left, that's right. My left, your right. Let's look to Jesus, right? All right. Moses told Aaron to, to bless my people and place my name on them with these words. By the way, you see that this is, this is symbolizing the letter sheen. In Hebrew, there's, it looks like a W with a little dot on it. And um, it's like El Shaddai, right? Sheen. In, in Jerusalem, the way the valleys are in Jerusalem, it forms the letter Sheen. His name is actually placed. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, um, abbreviation for his name. So it's not Mr. Spock. <laughs> he says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord... I just lost my train of... May... I know this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. His peace in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. By the way, leave the chairs. We don't have to tear them down. Bless the Lord. Fellowship. Hang out. Pray with one another. Uh, Sign uh, the thing in the back. And then we'll see everyone Lord willing on Thursday or Saturday or Sunday. Okay? God bless you guys. Yes.